Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Bring your attention to our call to worship. It's found in Psalms 98, 5 through 9, where the psalmist writes, saying, Praise the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for like Job, many times we can feel despair. We can feel the struggle that life has. But Lord, may we like he just lift up your name and realize, Lord, you're a Lord who gives, you're a Lord who takes away. But in all things, we're to glorify you. For you are the great God, and we just invite you to join with us this morning as we sing your praises and come and submit before you to say that you are king. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Would you join with me as we go into our pastor's prayer? Father, we come before you this morning to sing your praises, confess our sin, and accept your forgiveness to put our petitions before you and to submit to your will. We join with all those who have come before us in praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, our, your heavenly Father will also forgive us. But if we do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespass. Let us not forget your word and your promises. With the sons of Korah we will sing, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, and let it be so. Please hear the words of your son when he prayed. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth, and your word is truth, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so, Father, hear these words of our advocate, our intercessor. And through the Holy Spirit, would you lift up our prayers? Would you expose our hearts this morning for any idols that we have kept, for any ways that we have quenched your spirit, for any ways that we have hardened our hearts towards your word? And we thank you for your goodness and your grace, which you so freely give. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to James chapter 4. As we're continuing our study in this great letter 
to the Jews that have been dispersed from Jerusalem, we have discovered in our exploration of the letter of James that it was written to the Jewish believers that had been dispersed because of the persecution in Jerusalem, that our works and our words and our wisdom validate saving faith. So there are many people who make a profession of faith, but it's not so much your profession of faith, it's how you validate whether or not your words speak the truth. James is teaching these Jewish believers that wisdom and humility will lead to the peace in the house of God. And we've all speaking as we've gone forth where we've been in houses of God or churches where there was not peace. And once again, he's giving them an opportunity, an invitation to step up and to prove their faith and following through with that confession of faith. He also warned them about competing desires is that that is what leads to war in the house of God. Disagreements are going to happen in God's house, but it should not come at the cost of our Christian testimony and witness. There's going to be problems in the church community, hence why the importance of having peacemakers, especially when we're in the midst of a hostile environment that's outside the church. Let not the house of God, its sanctuary and refuge, be distorted, disrupted, and dissuaded by anger and selfish ambition and pride. James reminded them last week that they are God's precious treasure and that He is a jealous God who will not tolerate flirtation with the world. He considers that spiritual adultery. But he, instead, He calls us to repent and to draw near to Him. The Apostle Paul, or Peter excuse me, had urged us in his letter that we as sojourners and exiles are to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against our souls. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That's where we are up to this point. As we come to James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, the theme of this portion of James has been about the peace in the house of God, which is in danger of being breached due to the sins of the tongue. And we've seen this from chapter 3 up till now. We saw that there was a lack of restraint on the tongue. People would just say and, 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 and things, anything that came to mind, they, there was no taming the tongue, and we understand that the tongue can be dangerous, amen? We all have experienced that. We've all been part of the receiving end, and many times we've been on the giving part of that tongue. We also saw that jealousy and selfish ambition leads to disorder and sin, whether it's in the house of God or in your home. Not only that, but we also saw in chapter 4 that quarrels and fights lead to anger. And in today's passage, James now is going to shift from a call of repentance of last week back to an exhortation in behavior. In this case, prohibiting slander. With that, let's read James chapter 4, 11 through 12, where James writes, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a 
judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So, Father, we come before you, and I humbly ask that you would just use my study and the words that we have there this morning to open our hearts. I want to thank you for two gifts this morning. One, your precious word that gives all things that pertain to godly living. For without your word and your revelation, Father, we would be, we would be uh, just swimming with no guidance, no direction. And then, Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who comes and helps us and catches the words of life and then applies them to our heart. May we not quench it this morning. And, Father, I pray that we may respond humbly to your word this morning as you may expose maybe some of the ways in which we have spoken evil against others, in which we have slandered, in which we have judged. Father, would you bring us to a point of confession and repentance, Lord, that we may just bask in your grace and forgiveness. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want to give you a couple points today. The first point you're going to see very easily is in the first part of verse 11, where James gives a command to not slander a Christian or a neighbor. He says, do not slander a fellow Christian brother. When he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And the first command is not to slander a fellow Christian or neighbor. This precept is not, is to not slander. Remember, we've talked about precept, principles, and person. Today, we're going to look at that in Scripture. As once again, we see a precept. A precept is a shall or thou shall not. In this case, it's a shall not. It says not to slander, or as the ESV puts it, to speak evil against. It literally means to speak against someone or to slander someone. And this is important because the sins of jealousy and quarreling and pride tend to lead to accusations and evil speaking, does it not? James is forbidding criticism against those in and out of the church that involves making judgments about people. And you and I understand that we do that. Now, we crouch, and we're very good at churches. We don't gossip, do we? We crouch everything in a prayer request. That's how we tend to do it. Oh, you need to pray for so poor sister so-and-so. Do you see what's going on in her life? Oh, boy, do you see, see poor brother, you know, da-da-da? And, and we go on and on. It becomes to become slander. The forms of slander that the Bible speaks about is that of gossip. We understand that gossip is something that destroys from within. It could tear a church up. Questioning legitimate authority in numbers is another one. That, that uh, almost destroyed Moses' uh, leadership in the children of Israel. Keeping secrets and incorrect, incorrect accusations against a brother or sister. We have to recognize that these types of behaviors, these types of sins of the tongue are damaging, not only to those that, that we speak about, but all to those who speak them, to the hearers and to the entire church. Unless we forget it was the enemies of Christ that used slander against Him to punish Him and to bring Him to the cross. You and I must understand that slander is a tool of Satan that's used to divide people and distract us from the mission. The mission that Jesus gave us as ambassadors for Christ. You and I need to understand that slander is a tool that He uses, He devises it to divide. 
Satan who uses these taxes against us, and we openly just provide us thank you, and we grab the tools, and we start hacking at one another. You know, I need to remember that he's a liar, and he himself is a slanderer. He's an accuser of the brethren day and night. So why should we pick up the habits and behaviors and the tools of Satan, that demonic angel, who left his glory and estate, and rebelled in the same way you and I become little Satans in that regard. When we do it in the church, when we do it in our homes, when we do it at work in our neighborhood. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that since the love of Christ controls us, speaking of those who have submitted themselves to Christ, he says we no longer regard no one according to the flesh. We are a new creation. The old has passed away. We have a new way of living, a new way of speaking. He says Christ has reconciled us to himself and he gave us, you and I, the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing things into balance, of making things that went wrong right. He goes on to say in Corinthians that Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. And nor should you and I then hold grudges and resentment and bitterness. But forgive as God has forgiven us. James writes, do not speak evil against someone. Do not slander them. Paul writes in Ephesians, he said, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So what should you and I say? Well, I think your mother had it right. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. See, your mother taught you well. He says, but speak only those things that is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I tell you, in our marriages, we, if we could grasp this in our marriages, if we can grasp this in our church, if we can grasp this in our places of employment, we as Christians would become salt and light when the world just wants to go to its default position of slandering and speaking evil. If we would stand up and say, enough, I will not take it, I will not hear it, I will not participate. What changes could the Holy Spirit bring to those that are around us as we are ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation? He says, but rather put away all that corrupting talk only say those things that build up, that lift up. And he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be what? Be put away from you, along with all the malice, the anger. He's speaking malice there. Is this talking about evil thoughts, evil intention. We belittle people to make ourselves look better. We talk bad about someone to bring them down. That should not happen in the house of God and from the lips of his children. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Now let me tell you, I have failed in this very thing myself, week after week, day after day, as I find myself drawn into the very same things. And I praise God that he forgives. And there are times that you and I need to go to people and say, listen, in my mind and in my heart, I have spoken against you. Forgive me. These are the things that we must understand to accomplish this. You and I need to be humble. The 
problem is, is the Christian church can never fill up because there's too much pride in it. doesn't matter how many seats we put in here. There's too much pride. We can't get anyone else in here. We're all trying to advance and build our own kingdoms and agendas. We must be humble, as James stated earlier. Who is wise and understanding among you? It's a very good question. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his work in meekness, in humbleness of wisdom. I'm looking for a few good men and women who exhibit that. And I pray by the grace of God that he allows me to be that type of man, that type of elder for you. Humbleness is one of the keys to peace in the house of God. And I have shared with you, seven years ago, there was not peace in this house of God. And I will take my share of blame in the fact that selfish ambition and pride was the root of those things. And by God's grace, He has brought us through, but slander was one of those things that was marked up on a flagpole and pulled up, and not only to those who were here saw it, but also to anyone else that was around. A dark day, and a day that's not happened yet as far as I know, but we must be vigilant against it. As he says, James has commanded us, do not slander a fellow Christian. And a little bit later, he's going to bring that into a neighbor in verse 12, which leads us, so we know the precept, do not slander, do not speak evil against a brother or sister in Christ. The reason why, then, is number two, is slander violates the law of Christ. It violates the royal law of Christ as we look at the second part of that verse. Look at it. He says, The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. The principle, the why, why should I not slander is simply, it's a command not to speak against someone, is that it violates the law of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Take your Bible and turn to the third book in your Bible. It's called Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Turn to Leviticus chapter 19. Because what we're going to see here is James, as his custom is, is he relies on the teaching of the Old Testament and Jesus for this principle. Why are we not to slander? Because it violates the royal law of Christ. In Leviticus chapter 19, third book in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Look at verse 19, look at verse 16, where God is speaking to the children of Israel. still applies for us today. He says, you shall not go up around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. And then in quotes here, we see what God is saying here. He says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. He's understanding there that there will be times when brothers and sisters in Christ will not agree. There will be a reasonable difference of opinion. The Bible knows that. But he says we're to come and reason against together, not to talk against other. He says you should not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall what? Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And in case you didn't understand it, he ends with this by saying, I am the Lord. Some of you are old enough to remember the old uh, commercial. When E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. This is one of those E.F. Hutton points in the Bible. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor. I am the Lord. He puts it right in there. You think he's trying to get our attention somewhere? You think he's doing one of those, hey, putting your face in his hands and saying, listen to me. We do that with our children, right? Listen to me. This is what God's doing. Don't slander. It violates the royal law of Christ. In Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, he extended this concept of loving your neighbor because a man came to him trying to justify himself, said, well then, who is my neighbor? You can almost hear the whining in his voice. Well, Jesus in that parable expended the concept of who is my neighbor to what? To everyone, to all who would show mercy. You and I are not to pick and choose who we love, but to extend Christian love to everyone we meet. Everyone's my neighbor. Everyone's my neighbor. We're salt and light. We're ambassadors. We're ministers of reconciliation. James had already wrote to them in James chapter 2, verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. James changes from brothers to neighbors in verse 12. As I've already told you, he says, don't slander against a brother. Then he goes on to speak of neighbors. Douglas Moo, Pastor Douglas Moo, writes that James assumes that criticism of fellow believers contradicts the man that we love our neighbors. And you and I, we fail to follow that law when we engage in slander. To speak against someone, let me clarify this. To speak against someone is to say that they are no good and deserving of condemnation. That's what speaking evil against. That's what slander is. That's what criticism is. It's deserving of condemnation. The same is done when you and I speak against the law of God, the Bible, Christians and churches and our husbands, and our spouses and our employers and employees. We are making critical statements, condemning them as not good enough or not measuring up. And as we'll see in the moment, that's not our role as ambassadors of Christ. See, James is concerned with the Christians becoming doers of the word. And you saw that in verse 11. He says, I want you to become doers of the word by following through with your public confession of faith. God has commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Slander, once again, does not accomplish that royal law. Douglas Moo goes on to write that James assumes that criticism of a fellow believer contradicts the demand that we're to love our neighbors. So the precept is simple. Do not slander. Do not speak evil. Do not make criticisms that lead to condemnation, that leads to bitterness or holding grudges. Why? Because it violates the royal law. And that points then to the person. That law points to a person. And that's our third point is that judgment belongs only to God and not to you and I. Judgment belongs only 
to God. There's only one lawgiver, he says in verse 12. There's only one lawgiver and there's only one judge. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? He now points to the person of God as the great lawgiver and judge. So many times you and I act as judge, jury, and executioner, and we throw in prosecutor at the same way. God has not called us to do that. We are not to infringe on God's sovereign right to be the judge. We are not called to change the laws and commands of God, though you and I do that every time we sin and rebel against His commands. We are to trust that God is good and that His commands and judgments are righteous. And when you and I slander, speak evil against someone, make those condemnations, we are saying that God is not. We're in effect saying, God, do your job. We're like John and James that says, Lord, should we call down lightning and let them be struck for what they're doing? Wouldn't that be kind of a cool power to have? We probably would have less friends and family members that way, right? You know, get that person right over there. Boy, the bosses we would go through, right, Reg? Boy, I tell you. Before you know it, we would own that company. But judgment belongs to God, not to us. And many times when you and I complain, what we're saying is, God, you're not good. You're not righteous. You're not just. Who are we? Who are we to make that judgment, to make that criticism? Instead of trying to absurd the authority of God, you and I are called to fear Him in reverential trust. How quickly we forget that it's God who has the authority to save and destroy. Jesus warned in Matthew, He says, Fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell in speaking of God the Father. The psalmist writes in 920, Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. And even the story of Job, who realized, hey, the Lord, give the Lord, take it away. His wife said what? Curse God and die. But he said, nope, blessed be the name of the Lord. And some of us have people in our lives that are problem people, do we not? We all have it. We all have people in our lives that we make critical judgments and condemnations. We're go it's going to happen. That's why the Bible says... As much as possible with you, live peaceably among men. In other words, there are just some people that for some reason we're just going to butt heads. But that does not call us to violate the royal law of God. He calls us to pray for those who persecute us, to love our enemies, does he not? That's what he calls us to do. So in the same way, you and I need to recognize that. So when we have those problem people in our lives, sometimes we're married to them, sometimes they're our children, sometimes they're mother-in-laws. I think that just that's what mother-in-law means in Greek, problem. That's just exactly what it means. We need to understand that instead of saying that, we just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For God has given this to me because He's good and He's just. Douglas Moo writes concerning this passage that James is warning against the thoughts, listen to this, 
the thoughts of determining the ultimate spiritual destiny of an individual. So many times we'll say, oh God, damn him. Oh, damn him to hell. We don't understand what we're saying when we're doing that. We are saying that, Lord, you need to condemn this person to perdition, to hell. And that old strong words, and I don't mean to shock you, but we need to understand what those words mean. We're standing in the face of God, and we're saying, condemn this person, condemn this person. We're taking the very place of Satan, who is standing before the Father today, and says, send him to hell, condemn him, condemn him, condemn him. That's what God is calling, that's what Satan is calling. And you and I are standing hand in hand with that enemy, the deceiver, doing the same thing. When you and I slander against someone, we're standing there and asking God to make a judgment of condemnation. We're violating the very law of God. James is rebuking the practice of critical speaking and leads to judgment that leads to judging and condemning one before God that is motivated by jealousy and selfish ambition and pride. For it's those things that cause us to slander and to speak evil against someone else. The gospel speaks to this in the fact that Christ and God has forgiven us all of our debts. And Christ speaks on our behalf even when we sin. In the fact that Satan says, condemn them, condemn them. And Christ says, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine. Instead of condemning us, Christ intercedes for us. And God declares us righteous and not guilty for all those who have claimed and submitted to Him. With that in mind, you and I need to realize that we too should be recipients of slander. But yet God says, no. And with that in mind, we must also give grace as we've received it and put away anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from our mouths. He tells us, do not lie to one another, seeing that we put off the old self with its impassions of selfish ambition and pride and jealousy. Let, not be, let yourself be ruled by that. I've given you the precept, the principle, and the person. Do not slander, for it violates the royal law of God, for He is the one lawgiver and the one judge, not you and I. Let me give you now some practical theology. How do we live this out? Because this is difficult. This is very difficult. We struggle with this. Is it wrong to judge? One of the most well-known verses. Remember when you used to watch a game and you'd see John 3.16? That used to be the most popular verse in the world. Does anyone now know that if you were to take the, the, the latest popular opinion poll of the most famous verse, well-known verse in the Bible, does anyone know what, one, make a guess what verse it is? Matthew 7.1. Judge not lest you be judged. That's what the world has taken from the Bible. The world uses this to preach tolerance and demands that you and I accept every perversion and sin, and now we accept them, but they call us to approve of them. However, God is not prohibiting the proper and necessary discernment 
that every believer is to practice. We're not to practice slander, but there will be times that you and I will need to speak hard, truthful words to one another. And so that's where I want to park for a moment. Understanding we do not slander, for it violates God's royal law of loving our neighbor, and that God is the lawgiver and the judge. But yet He has called us, even though it says, judge not, lest you be judged, He goes on to give us some scriptural truths of how we are to judge or to give discernment. Tim Chalice, in his book, The, Dis uh, the Discipline of Spiritual Discernment, writes that discernment or being able to judge is the skill of understanding and applying God's Word with the purpose of separating truth from error and right from wrong. As we had said in, earlier in Ephesians 4.25, he said to put away falsehood. Let each one speak the truth with his neighbor. So love your neighbor, speak truth to your neighbor. For we are members with one another. Let me tell you, is that when we allow a member to live in continual sin and to deny the word of God, you are not loving your neighbor. We are to speak truth to them. So there will be times that we will have to do so. There will have to be times where we'll speak hard words or truth in order to show God's love for His children and for people. That's not slander, that's truth. When those times come, Scripture has not been silent, but has given us the roadmap. So I want to give you that very quickly. When, and I, when are you and I to judge, to make those moments of discernment? Well, he tells us in Luke, first, pay attention to yourself. Number one, that's what he says in Matthew 7. Don't be telling somebody something if you got something else in your eye. Blind can't be leaving the blind. If I'm drowning in the ocean, don't send me the lifeguard that hasn't learned how to swim yet. It's not going to be helpful. He says, pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If repents, forgive him. In 1 Timothy he says, for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that they may rest, or the, so the rest may stand in fear. In other words, the conclusion is, is that there is a biblical mandate to judge, discern, and discipline those who are in sin and in error. That is not a fun thing to do, but he calls us to do so. Why are we to do that? That seems like anti-community. As we're trying to build a safe refuge and sanctuary, you would say, well, I don't want someone pointing out my sins and where I'm disobeying God. We well, calls us to do so. Why? Because better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. James 5, 19 through 20, we'll see this probably later in the month where he says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, brings back a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death. There's some of you that are just involved in slander, you're involved in sin, you're involved in disobeying God, and we need to bring you back, we need to share with you, hey, danger, danger, danger. And yet we refuse to do so many times. Rather, we'd rather give a prayer request and say, Oh, well, pray for so-and-so. And yet we never come to them in love. How are we to do it? 
And that's where I want to get to the meat of this. 1 John 7, 24 says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. We've already spoken about that. When you look at someone, you make a critical judgment. When you make uh, discrimination, we spoke about discrimination in the church and how it should not be so. Because this is God's children. This is what heaven is going to be like. With people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. How do we do this? First, you've got to do it with patience. He said, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Why? So that God may perhaps give them repentance that leads to knowledge of God. And so it's with patience that we do it. And there are people in our lives that God has given us to do nothing but give us patience. It seems like we've been patience forever, but he says that is what Christian love is. To discern, to judge, to speak truth to someone means you need to be patient. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us we're to do it with love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him, in the head of Christ. To speak someone truth in love is to not to embarrass them. It's not to make them, con- uh, to, to condemn them. By the way, we've spoken about that. If you're a Christ follower, and when you hear those words in your head, I'm not a saved, I'm not a Christian, God must hate me, those are words of condemnation. Those are the very breasts of Satan who speaks to you. The Holy Spirit will convict you, not condemn you. And so in the same way, we do not condemn someone, but we bring them through love, convicting them. Hey, is this the right way that you want to go? Do you not recognize this is hurtful to your life and to your family? He also calls us to show judgment with mercy. For he says, the Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing to me service, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. We need to do it with mercy. And I might, oh, okay, there's the right verse. And then lastly, we need to do it with gentleness. To speak evil of no one, he tells us to do. To avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Let me share with you, Orangeville Bible Church a congregation of people who have said we belong to Christ and we come here together as a community to submit to his lordship to praise him to worship him and encourage one another with what God has called us to do we are a place of refuge and sanctuary in which we love each and every one but just because we want to love each and every one doesn't make each and every one of us lovable Some of us need need a little bit more help being lovable than others. But he calls us to do it, and to do it in such a way that it's pleasing to him. So Orangeville Bible, let's commit this morning to be a church, to be a Christ follower, whether inside these walls or outside these walls, to not slander to speak evil against someone, to make critical judgments that leads to condemnation, bitterness, and anger because of our jealousy, selfish ambition, and pride. For when we do so, we violate the law of God in loving our neighbor as ourselves, and we deny the very person 
of Christ when we do so. Christ does not forbid moral judgments, but he does judge or forbid hypocritical judgments. Would you make that commitment this morning? Maybe there's some of you that it's time to confess that slander has been one of the weapons that you have used wrongly and sinfully against another brother and sister in Christ or against someone else. If so, confess that sin, repent of that sin, and may the grace of God comfort you and strengthen you in that fight against the tools and the vices of Satan. Father, we ask this in your name. For without you, Lord, we are weaponless. Father, we, we're like sheep ready to be led to the slaughter. But yet your grace has come and given us the strength to fight these sins. Again, we thank you for your word. Give us a love for each other. Expose the ways in which slander still finds itself in our heart when we speak against someone else. If we've done so, let us ask forgiveness. Let us repent of it. And Father, give us the strength to stand as reconcilers of you, to be ambassadors for you. Lord, let our lips speak forth praise, and never, Lord, may it speak critical words, but judge with truth. We pray this for your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.